live from Shelley's back room. It is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your moderator, Justin Russell. Joining me around the table, Congressman Al Swift, Bob Hines, Carl Tuvin, Alan Moore, Dan Lipner, and Rear Admiral Ken Carradine. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for Backroom Politics. Let's join the roundtable live at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Good afternoon out there on Radio Land. It is Tuesday, which means it is time for the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. Joining me as they do every Tuesday to my left is the former eight-term, eight-term member of Congress representing the second congressional district of Washington State. He is Congressman Al Smith. Hello, Congressman. How are you doing, sir? Oh, doing fantastic. My alternate left as opposed to the alternate right. He is, <laughs> he is the longtime political alternate. <laughs> Long-time political officer, former vice campaigner, and bar survivor of the state of Maryland, Anthony. Let me is Daniel Esquire. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Justin. I'm glad to be part of the non-deplorable, non-redeemable. Yeah, all right. Yeah, we got a basket for you too. And to my 12 o'clock, he is the retired one-star admiral from New York, United States. He is Admiral Ken Carradine. Hello, Admiral. Hello, Justin. And to my right. Is the former Undersecretary of Commerce who served at last count under four different presidents. He is Dr. Washington Insider and a distinguished fellow for the Simpson Center. He is Alan Moore. Hello, Alan. Hey, and Dan may not be deplorable under Hillary Clinton's definition, but he's deplorable under other people's That's definition. That's right. He's so. one of the deplorables. That is true. <laughs> God, he took a <laughs> shot already. Yeah, I mean, we haven't gotten to intros yet. That's, 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 that's amazing. It is going to be that kind of show. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about, obviously. It has been a busy week since we were last on the air. Between the Commander-in-Chief's conference that NBC put on last week, we're going to talk about that. Uh, apparently, uh, having pneumonia is not really a big deal. And apparently, there is baskets full of deplorables in the Trump camp. Let's start off talking about the, uh, the, the Commander-in-Chief rally that happened on board the USS Intrepid Museum up in New York City, uh, put on by NBC, moderated by the Today Show's Matt Lauer. Uh, they took turns doing a town hall event with both Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, uh, addressing national security, military, and international affairs issues with the candidates. Uh, lots of stories coming out of that. Uh, overall, though, there was a lot of question as far as did did the forum work? Should it have worked? How could it have been better? But all in all, it's it was a forum dedicated to the military almost. Admiral Ken, as a retired one-star admiral from your United States Navy, uh, when you saw that, when, is this a forum that should happen normally in presidential elections? I think if well, the real answer to the question is I, I think it, it's 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 not something I think that needs to be called out. I think uh, in previous elections, at least the ones in my memory, 
Um, this is part of their positioning when they're doing their speeches and during the debates. Um, I think that if, if anything, it felt like the, 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 uh, the world was either throwing Trump a bone or giving him an opportunity to further embarrass himself. I think the latter is, is true. Uh, and I, I, I cite his statement that the military should, uh, should probably get its own judicial system. <laughs> so, all right, let's jump right into it. I can't make this stuff up. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, Alan Moore, the, the, there, there were several stories. Well, including, we, should, we should clarify for our listeners that don't know that, to be clear, the military does have their own judicial system, which is almost completely separate, not entirely separate. You can't actually appeal from the military justice system to the traditional federal justice system, but they have their own judicial system, you mean, including their own set of laws. Yeah, you mean we've seen a few good men? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that was a military court under the United under the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Now, for Donald Trump, you say, "See, I was right." <laughs> <laughs> they listened, <laughs> and and they listened to me today from a movie they did back in 1992. Uh, and, uh, I'm sorry, Congressman Al. Uh, the format, as far as dealing specifically with national security and defense issues and issues designed around military personnel, is this something that should have been done years ago? Oh, I don't know whether I saw nothing wrong with doing it. I don't see anything wrong if they never do it again. I mean, it's it's a thing that you do and. and, and Many things happen in campaigns, and it, it was fine. I mean, I think I think it was a rotten program, but uh, that wasn't the fault of the concept. Right. Conceptually, I saw nothing wrong with it. It's a fault from Matt Lauer. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> Alan Moore. Well, you said it. Let him. Let him. All right, Dan. Before yeah, I take him down, before I take him down, let him uh, say what he wanted to. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I didn't watch it live, so I watched the excerpts and uh, and caught. Uh, Many of the lack of follow-ups that uh, Matt Lauer didn't do, not the least of which was the judicial system, there is a question about, well, something really needs to be done for VAs and homeless vets, which is true, but of the handful of things the Obama administration can actually claim credit for, I believe veterans' homelessness is at record lows um, and from much of the hard work that's been done at VA. Not that that excuses the problems that exist at VA now, but the a meaningful follow-up, especially with Trump, while Hillary was asked real policy questions, Trump continued to get away with his, I'm just going to be strong, nothingness answers. And when it's something that's a forum where a, a good moderator would follow up, then I'm suggesting even you, Justin, uh, would follow You're up. You're calling me a good moderator? That's awesome. Uh, possibly better than Matt Lauer in that context. Wow. Uh, where well, anybody would have been better than Matt Lowe. Thank you, Congressman. Where <laughs> if, if, if somebody, if a presidential candidate gives a nonsense answer on, for a nationally televised program and a moderator from a major news network who, who is running it on his own, basically, doesn't have somebody in his ear shouting the facts to follow up with, it is amazing to me. Admiral Ken. I think it would have come off a lot better had they chosen a moderator who had a, a, a pretty good curriculum vitae in, the, in national security. I mean, the guy, you know, he, he runs, he runs a, a, 
well, he's, he doesn't run. He, he's on a, a, a weekly morning feel-good show. I mean, they're, they're not delving into Are you calling Matt Flower a cream puff? I would have used cupcake, but... Okay, uh, we would go with that. The judge will accept that. Congressman Al? Look, the Today program, which is the one that Matt Lauer is on, is in trouble. I don't know what they have done at NBC to take a program that has been a great morning show for so long uh, and and destroy it. They let Bob Hines go. It's a silly program now. Yeah, and I think they probably put Matt Lauer on this one on order, hoping he would be able to bring a little gravitas back to the Today Show. Real quickly, I would like to get, yeah, I would like to, I would like to get back to the actual topics, but Alan Moore, real quick. So, I was with Al when he said this was fine, it was appropriate. If they never do it again, we can live without it. Um, this was not about Matt Lauer. I finally had to go listen to the thing, read the thing, because of Matt Lauer is being trashed. I'm not a huge fan of Matt Lauer. I didn't think he knocked it out of the park. I think the problem was twofold, threefold. And he, he, he comes in for a share, okay? But it was a very short program. Two half hours back-to-back in an odd location where the role of the audience wasn't clear. And, and if, you, if, you, if you look back at the thing, you realize that Matt Lauer is trying to both ask questions. That he, he initiated questions in the, in the beginning in both cases, a long time with Hillary on emails. And then, and then Trump, how are you qualified given your lack of experience? And then he would turn to a question. Actually, he had, he had uh, one of his colleagues uh, manage, handle the question and would, and, and, and would try to do a follow-up. So I fault the structure. Either you're going to ask questions of the audience and guide it, and, and they do that. One of the presidential debates is going to have two moderators, and they're gonna, it's going to be a, a public forum, and they're going to get, get questions. And probably better it's, structure. It's risky when you do that. Having said that, Matt is not experienced at, at, at following up. It's not what he does. But it's also, I would argue, in general, um, uh, not in, 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 now this was not a conventional debate. We'll see this when we get to the debates. But it's not up to the moderator to be the fact checker or the supporter, but to be this neutral person. It's up when you have two candidates the two candidates are going to be the main fact checkers on right. each other. And one of the things that Lauer took an enormous amount of grief for, which is one of the reasons I wanted to go back and, and read, read the text, is when Donald Trump said, I opposed the Iraq war from the beginning, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But I thought even, even Matt Lauer would know that there's another story there. But then when I looked back at the context, Hillary, in her remarks, spent a chunk of time attacking Trump for saying he didn't support the war early when he clearly did. She even mentioned Howard Stern, which was where she did. So she laid out the predicate for the, the question to come to, to, to Trump later, and he basically was rebutting what she said. So I wasn't nearly as critical in reviewing it after the fact of Lauer for, not, for his lack of follow-up as I, as I initially was when I heard about it, because 
Hillary had jumped on him, and then he just basically denied it. So that one's not going to go away. Anyway, it was it, it it was awkward. It was too short, frankly, half an hour to cover the landscape, and a third of the time spent on emails. If you're Hillary and 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 with Trump, it's always hard to pin him down on anything. Well, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the facts. So one, one of the areas that was brought up in a in a room full of different veterans organizations and those I've talked to that attended the event said it was just an absolute clustered mess of obscurity. Um, but talking about the facts, the VA was a central point. And one of the key factors was Donald Trump was flip-flopping, a little spongy on whether or not he was going to privatize the VA. Hillary Clinton kind of gave an answer that said there's not really anything wrong with the VA, just in certain pockets. And somewhere in between the middle is true. Admiral Ken, who won that? Who won that point? Neither one of them. Uh, and I, you know, my 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 contention was when I walked away from it is, you know, if you've been in if you've been in the the, the U.S. military for any any period of time. You know that that the VA has been a cluster, you know, probably going back as long as I can remember. I remember at one time telling telling a uh, you know, family member, you know, if I ever get to the point where I really need need help, leave leave me at home with a gun and I'll take care of the problem for you. It, it, <laughs> it, was, it, it was that bad. And so I've listened to at least three presidents running for office um, that came in saying we're going to do great and wonderful things for the VA, and from nothing's my, happened. Nothing's happened. Right. And so as I walked away from uh, from from that those, that that forum, I kind of got the impression that there was a there was a there was a, a slight bit of pandering going on because of the audience that they were in, or that they were in front of. Um, I don't believe that this is a major policy issue for any of them because it hasn't been a major policy issue for anyone up until now. And I am I am I just I, I walked away thinking neither one of them said anything I needed to. Alan Moore. So I, I'm intrigued with the, the, this, this cannon blast at how nothing has happened. Because a few years ago, well into this administration, when, when the disastrous uh, waiting periods for getting appointments, um, particularly mental health appointments, was, was brought to bear and bad behavior in various VA hospitals around the country popped up, there was a massive rapid effort to get a bill through the Congress. John McCain, and of all people, one of the few things he's ever done, frankly, Sorry. Bernie Sanders, um, uh, spearheaded a major bill. They tossed the old head of VA. They brought in uh, uh, the corporate guy, John Allen's candidate to be vice president, if you remember. Right. Um, and, 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 and a lot has happened. A lot has happened in terms of the, the huge backlog on on disability uh, on di- disability benefits um, uh, has been greatly shortened. The time frame between request for appointments and the need for appointments has been cut sharply. Now, is that is it rapid enough? Are they done? Of course not. But gee, they, they, and the, the Congress addressed this through. We, we spend tens of billions of dollars on this program, and we threw billions more at it, and a lot of things have changed. I'm not saying it's perfect, and now we have this 
sort of sidebar conversation about whether whether Trump is trying to privatize. I tend to look at things in in, in, the, in three prisms, uh, when, especially when it comes to government, strategic, operation, and tactical. At the at the strategic level, you're absolutely right. We 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 we, uh, we fired uh, uh, General Shinseki uh, because he didn't do his job, uh, and a good number of the oh, yeah, it is. And a good number of the lieutenants that underneath him weren't doing their job. So at the, at the operational, I mean, at the strategic and party operational level, there have been some massive changes. At the tactical level, where the, where, the meet, meet, where the rubber meets the road, there are still veterans that are still not getting served and not getting served in, in great communities like Washington, D.C. If they're not getting served in places like D.C., imagine what's happening in the smaller towns throughout the state. All right. Well, all right. Oh, Dan, you had a comment? I mean, the Shinseki... T- took some grief and he lost his job appropriately. However, saying he wasn't doing his job is overstating it. Um, it's a huge, huge federal bureaucracy. And and uh, to, to use the Navy analogy, it's not like steering a, a, a small power boat. It's like steering an aircraft carrier, the equivalent of, of moving the VA for as many facilities, as many personnel as they have. It's tough to do. And that said, it, the first thing that happens in Washington is there has to be somebody to pay, to pay the price they're at. So re- almost regardless of how well somebody is doing their job, it's like say, saying the EPA administrator, uh, uh, administrator uh, uh, Browner, uh, Brown. Carol Browner. Uh, no, no, uh, from the, oh, uh, Katrina. Oh, yeah, yeah. From Katrina. Yeah. yeah. EPA was Browning. EPA was use FEMA, not EPA. Sorry, sorry. Acronyms are escaping at at the moment. But I mean, when things when when things break, they broke they broke far in excess and before that current person. Whether or not he has the ability to fix all of it and all the tools, that is in question. And as Alan has correctly pointed out, and even that bill that was pushed through quickly after everything erupted. That bill had been floundering for years before it was finally... What I don't want to do is make this a talk about just VA, because we can go into VA for an entire segment, but going back to the form itself, it, 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 it seemed to me that, Alan Moore, Donald Trump had done very little prep, surprisingly, uh, had done very little prep as far as dealing with the issues surrounding ISIS, surrounding... Uh, the situation in Syria, in Libya, and the Middle East. Uh, one of the big flubs that everybody's talking about is the idea that he came out and said there would never have been an ISIS if we had taken the oil. And when asked, how do you take the oil, he kind of just said, well, we just go in there and put people and leave them around there and shoot people. I mean, that is the type of a logic. Did Donald Trump do anything valid to promote his capabilities as a commander-in-chief? Well, <laughs> that, that's a big question, big, a big jump from, from, the, the, from, from his, the answer, from his yeah. obvious ig- ignorance on oil. Um, look, we, such a low bar has been set for Donald Trump that when he sits there for a half an hour, talks to Lauer, Lauer fields some questions from the audience, doesn't follow up in some ways that, that, that he might, and Trump muddles through. Um, and we know that uh, for reasons that are hard to understand, uh, polls of the military show that, that, uh, that, that, 
they favor uh, they favor Trump. Veterans favor Donald Trump. Um, uh, I, I I don't get it, but it's hard for me to say he he didn't do anything to help himself. I mean, he he it was a little bit like going to Mexico and standing at a podium with the president of Mexico. And even though they didn't see eye to eye and didn't really agree on, on what happened, he, he looked, uh, if you pardon the expression, presidential. So he's down there and they take turns. Hillary's first. She has, she spends her uncomfortable half hour. He's next. He spends his uncomfortable half an hour. And, and people can pick apart what Lauer did and what he said. And I didn't, Think he showed much knowledge, but I'm not sure that it that it, it uh, particularly hurt him. Yeah, Congressman Al, I, I just like to go back. Frankly, the <laughs> format was terrible. To to have a professional question asker have to have to deal with an audience with amateur questions. They were all I didn't. Well, think, there were some there were some good questions in there. I didn't Congress think there were any good questions there. <clears throat> the, 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 you asked me earlier whether this kind of a program should, should be done during presidential campaigns. And I said, yeah, if you want to. But they, if they can't change the format so that it's meaningful, uh, then it's useless. And I think that program was useless. Okay, Alan Moore. I think, what they do, I think what they do in the presidential debate, where both candidates are up there, exactly. they gather questions in one, the, the public forum, one it'll be the second one um they they pre-clear all the questions they know what the questions are going to be they call on people to ask the predetermined question the candidates don't know what the questions are but the but the 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 two hosts that'll be martha raditz from uh, abc and anderson cooper CNN are going to are going to be the the moderators for that one. They will plan that all out in advance. It's a little bit phony, frankly, that that you if you know what the the, the, the whole program looks like, and then to move around and have somebody ask a question. But it gives a little bit of a yeah. feeling yeah. That, a that, there's, that, there's right. some, that there's some people out Sorry. there and that know what they're talking about. Well, that they're only asking questions. Right. That that they that they uh, that that there's a little bit of Full authenticity to it. The questions are relevant. Right. Right. And there's a flow to this. So going back to going back to the topics, uh, both were asked about the Middle East. Donald Trump flubbed it. Hillary Clinton did well comparatively. On on, yeah, I mean it was her job for several years. Uh, But one a couple areas where they did not. Both candidates got digged on. One of them is the issue on sexual abuse in the military, which Donald Trump, again, going back to saying that they should go, you know, they don't have their own military system and they, of justice, and they should not understand the fact that there is. It's called the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Uh, Hillary Clinton tap danced around the issue, and that should have been, Dan Lipner, an opportunity for her to hit it out of the ballpark, and she didn't. She completely missed the pitch. Unfortunately, that is not one of the excerpts that I saw, but so I can't speak to it fully. Um, but the only thing I can say, watching the Senate debate, uh, just amongst the female senators, ignoring the folks who have been against 
but nobody talked about the Gillibrand. No, no, but that's, bill, no, that's what I'm talking right. about. That, that there has been contention within the, amongst female female Democratic senators on what the best approach is to the sexual assault issue in the military. But even if Hillary Clinton had mentioned or Donald Trump had mentioned the Gillibrand issue, the Gillibrand bill, which surprisingly has some bipartisan support, Alan Moore, not even one mention of what could be the most prolific military sexual abuse legislation in decades. They just completely bypassed. Claire McCaskill's on the other side of it, so it, 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 I'm, so, I'm sort of intrigued that you think somebody said, well, there's the Gillibrand bill. That's not how these things work. You have to describe what is in a piece of legislation. If you want to attribute it to a particular person, there's a cluster of people, uh, Senator Gillibrand from, from New York uh, was, and all, was, was, all right. was, was one of the leaders. But, but you know, it, 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 again, with, with Hillary Clinton, after, by the time they finished with the emails and then took a couple of questions, all of a sudden, the people talking to Matt Lauer, instead of doing fact-checking suggestions, are saying, you got to hurry, you got to hurry. So then he's turning to poor Hillary Clinton and saying, uh, so, so if you can keep this brief, and then, then he got criti- criticized for, for that. Her but answer, yes, it's the... It's, her, her answer well, should have been, her answer should have been, the, the, the military... Uh, system of, of uh, judicial punishment and investigation has been almost a complete failure uh, in, the, in, in, uh, in looking at sexual assault in the military. The problem is still alive and well, and if I become president of the United States, I'm going to make, I'm going to, I'm going to take this under. Wow, that was brief. Amazing. Piece of cake. Amazing. It, it, it's, it, it's messed up, and it, it needs some attention. It needs some adult attention. The, the other issue which, which surprised me that nobody really latched onto or could give any specifics is the current strength and current status of our military forces. When I saw this and they were asked, you know, they, they were kind of asked a little bit about the current state of military defense. It, they kind of, yeah, they kind of. Is this at the point where Trump said the military is a disaster? Yeah. Well, that, I want to get to that. I want to get to that. No, they, that, that was that was a few days earlier. No, no, he said it during he said it during the forum during the forum too, is when he made the quote that the flag level officers were an embarrassment and that he would fire the flag level officers and come up with a whole new core of admirals and generals. Admiral Ken, first of all, he can't do that. Well, number one, we'll check in. We'll check in. He, he, as the commander in chief, he can, he, we serve at the pleasure of the president of the United States. Okay. He, he can't. What, what it what did though, saying? what it did though was show a complete lack of understanding of how the promotion process works within the U S military. But, but as a former flag officer, were you not insulted because uh, I, you were one of the flag officers that he was talking about? Oh yeah, I, I you know, I, I. But you know what? He's insulted me because of my race. He's insulted me because of a number of other things. I just put on the list. He wants you back. Yeah. Yeah. He wants you back. He's gonna start doing outreach to you. Throw Ken. the, throw he, the he, current he, guys out. He, he bring Ken back. He can't afford me. <laughs> <laughs> but Dan Littner, uh that I thought would have been a point, knowing that. Hillary Clinton uh, heard this comment, even though she was first to go, why would she not drive that stake through the fact that Donald Trump has no understanding of the military period? Because she went first and she... No, no, but even afterwards, even afterwards, she did not drive that home. What do you mean, after the program? Yeah. 
Well, there wasn't a program to drive the state through no, the no, car. No, 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 What I'm saying, the press was all over that. Guys, I mean, this is easy. She doesn't know either. Well, <laughs> I believe that's, that's true. That's How could she true. not? She grew up in she grew up in, le- in, in the legislative side of, of government. She basically served as, as the Secretary of State. What exposure would she have had to the uh, to the un- underpinnings and inner workings of the U.S. military? Well, maybe eight years uh, as a member of the Armed Services Committee. That could do it. Maybe, but I don't think so. Then like four years as Secretary of State. Yeah, not to mention, by the way, her husband has no, those pesky guys no, saluting I mean, him all think, the time. I think the Armed Services Committee... That should have given her a good place. That would have been a good place. So but Secretary I, of State, not well, so much. No. I, I think she... I, 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 I agree there. I, I think she... I think she knows a lot more than Trump knows, but she wasn't asking those particular questions. So I know a dachshund that lives next to me that knows more than Donald Trump. Well, fine. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's the bigger question. The, the incredibly low bar that is set for Trump that he still manages to barely clear while tripping over it, that he somehow is still getting credit beyond the intelligentsia, either the media elite, the Washington elite, or whoever, that the verdict is in, and that decision has been made on Trump on pretty much both the Democratic and Republican side for the elite. However, the bigger question is why on earth is almost half of the country looking at this guy going, yeah, I see a president there. That's the better well, question. Well, that's the question we wrestle with constantly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, which well, is, almost an entire year. <laughs> which, is, which is concerning. Um, uh, and and what, what, that, what that says is, when Donald Trump says that, that under this administration, the, 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 the generals and admirals have been turned into rubble, and then they should all be replaced with new people, there's a bunch of folks out there who say, yeah, including, I suspect, some number of veterans. Some number of veterans and, and a large core of enlisted people. You know, not you know, we, we talk about, and, and this was a point made by one of the veterans during the uh, Rachel Maddow post-game report, was that, you know, whenever you see the talking heads talking about military issues on TV, it's always flag-level officers. You never, ever see enlisted people, senior enlisted people, who have decades in some instances of experience of being on the front lines of our U.S. military, they aren't the ones talking to the rest of America. And when you have a, a, an armed force where only 1% of the total population is actually served in, it doesn't paint a picture of reality that, in fact, that we're relying too much on the flag officers. Donald Trump's flag officer court isn't the issue. It's the total military package. Dan Lintner? Well, not. I mean, there's a suggestion there that the, the the a that the military is in shambles, which is not true. It's just false. Now, the issues about over that over deployment and therefore the tensions that creates on uh, people that are sent into combat as well as their families and what it takes for those for those forces to recover once they are back and restock both equipment wise and as well as their personal. That their, their personal uh, capital to restock, that's been a real issue, but as long as you have combat missions going on throughout the world, and you don't increase the size of the combat force, that's going to be a reoccurring issue. But who, who is conferring with... But, wait, wait, but, but right. it's worth noting, the same guy who's saying we're, gonna, we're going to 
we're going to send troops and we're going to kick whoever's ass is not getting the follow-up question of what the actual current issues are with the military. And while flag officers do deploy as well, it's the enlisted folks that really do the bulk of the work along the way. And those are the folks that, are, that when the tensions are there and they're talking about their personal tensions, and this guy's talking about just randomly sending them to all parts of the world willy-nilly, and, and he gets away with it while still dismissing the process of which everything else occurs when those same flag officers have been saying this for at least 10 years in my mind now. Congressman Al. I, I mentioned earlier in previous programs, my brother has developed the theory that we've got an education gap in America. And everybody around this table is part of the elite. We don't agree with each other, but we are all part of the elite in the sense that we are informed to a greater degree than the man on the street. And so we discuss things at a different level than the man on the street can because he hasn't, he, she hasn't got that level of information. So, or interest. Yeah, that, yeah. And, or interest, but on the other hand, it's a lot easier for us to get the information than it is for the guy in the street. That part is not true. The internet, the, the internet's now the great equalizer. There, if you really want to know, you can. But now, a question. Wait a minute. But on the internet, you can get more misinformation than you can get information. Yeah, true. That, that, <laughs> going, using Al's, using Al's, if it's on the internet, it must be true. <laughs> No, you, you were on to something. We were we interrupted Sorry. you there, and I started. There, there is a there is a great divide here, yeah, between people who know, who care, and therefore know, and those who don't care and therefore don't know, or who care in their way and know. A narrow Locked. gauge of information that one can find, and it's true at both extremes. Bernie Sanders, we don't talk about a lot of times, he said some crazy stuff, and the Democrats largely gave him a pass because they 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 knew they needed Bernie and his people, and uh, and then he He's kind, kind of went away. But you know, um, <laughs> we we of course don't have the luxury of talking only to people who agree with us because we sit around this table and we disagree about a lot of stuff. We're willing to do that. We see benefit in that. Um, but there are a lot of people that don't. But most people don't. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and the people who blindly follow Trump or hate Hillary, many of them, and the some of them are the same. Some of the same, but there's sort of two different groups. There are people who don't like Trump but, but hate Hillary so much that they will vote for Trump anyway. Uh, and other people actually really like the guy. They're, it's like he's the savior. Um, and, and, and then there are people who really love Hillary, and then there are people who say, she's not my cup of tea, but I so, uh, so hate Trump. I mean, they're all over the lot. Around here, we're all kind of in that mushy middle. None of us really liked Bernie. Nobody liked Trump. Um, there's, there's, so you're sort of for Hillary, or, or, 
or, or, or, or against Trump, where do you end up at the end of the day, given the fact that those are our choices? I don't see a lot of Gary Johnson uh, or Jill, no, uh, Jill, Jill Stein yeah. supporters uh, around the table. Um, so, you know, we're, we're, we're trapped, Al, in our, in our backgrounds, our life experiences, but, our but levels. Bottom of line, but bottom line but here. We are unique. We're different. From most people out there right. who, in, in, in making, who make their decisions. True, true. I mean, we can, we can do an entire segment on the lazy, uninformed electorate that exists here in the United States right now. That we can do an entire segment just on that. No, but I, but I want to add one additional element to that. I think it's partially our fault. And I mean our fault, us being around the table, the, fault? the elite. No, no, I, I mean this sincerely. There is a tendency with, for when folks who are not a member of the league to be talked to or talked at, they are either, they are either pandered to or condescended to, not spoken with. And, the, and that is not – Could not disagree more. Could not, could not disagree more. Because here's the thing. This whole show was created about not pandering. This whole show was created about – not talking down to, but encouraging viable civil discussion about how you are governed. There are other shows like this that exist, not as good, but there are other forums like this that are, that are good formats. You can't say that we are the part of the Washington elite. If that was the case, we would all be sitting here with talking points and party love. That's the problem. So two things. One, um, you know, I, I, I get the fortune of being able to travel, you know, home to visit my parents in Alabama almost on a, on a monthly basis. Um, and even in, in, in when I'm there, I will seek out opinions that are completely different from mine. I, I know my family. I know the friends in the neighborhood. I know how they think. I want to go and talk to them and understand what's going on. As late as a few weeks ago, there was a gentleman that came in to Shelley's wearing a Make America Great hat again. I was sitting next to my fiance at the time. I said, hey, I got to go talk to that guy. So the onus is on us, you know, to basically go out and seek out those different opinions, not so much to pander to or to talk down, but to listen to what they're saying and try to understand how the world works from their perspective. We, 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 have to do we can do an entire segment on that, but I want to close the segment out real quickly. Did, did did either Trump or Hillary make a convincing argument that they are better suited to be commander in chief than the other? Dan Lipner from that forum. It was a watch. Nothing happened. And uh, Congressman Al. Marginally, I think Hillary, just because she's generally more sensible in terms of how she lays something out. Right. Admiral Ken? I give it a wash. I have to bring it to wash. Uh, Alan Moore? Yeah, I'd give Hillary the edge, but then it all got washed away with the events of uh, the, the, the and warlords. So and we're going to talk about uh, that. It's uh, history now. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about baskets and sickness. This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We will be back in two minutes. Stay with us. You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years. It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it. 
Shelley's Back Room is one of a kind in Washington, D.C. Shelley's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelley's Back Room is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike. Sit back and enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs, or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails, and watch how backroom politics is made. Convenient to public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, Shelley's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As Bob says, it's the place to be. Here live at Shelley's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. This is Backroom Politics, live on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, if you want to join the discussion, the switchboard is open. You can call up 657-383-0419. Again, 657-383-0419 if you'd like to ask a question or join the discussion. From being bored. If you want to switch from being, yeah, <laughs> one of the uninformed to the informed by listening <laughs> to this show. Hey, uh, now, we talked about the Commander-in-Chief Forum. Uh, let's talk about the events that happened, because equally just as bizarre, number one, uh, in case you didn't see it, uh, Hillary was at the uh, commemoration of the 15th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks in uh, New York and the Pentagon and the unfortunate uh, destruction of Flight 93 in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. Uh, but during the ceremony in New York, Hillary was rushed off after one hour uh, due to a health issue. She, the health issue originally was described as her being overheated, and then when video of her becoming unstable on her feet and having to be assisted into her van by an aide and a Secret Service agent uh, really brought up the fact that, oh, wait a minute, there's a problem here. The problem turns out that she was diagnosed last Friday with walking pneumonia. Okay, here's the thing. Americans get, she's human, she gets sick. It's when you call it, I feel overheated, and then it turns out it's not you're overheated. You've been diagnosed with bacterial pneumonia. Well, both can be true. Well, 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 wait a minute. But here's the thing, Dan. Here's a, here's a woman that is running for president that has about as much truth credibility, as much as trustworthiness, as, let's say, the garbage can out front. In fact, I think the garbage can has more polling better than Hillary on this. She had an opportunity to say... This is what's wrong and be transparent and gain some trust and her people drop the ball. How is it that she can't even see the forest of the trees on this? Because now the healthers are all over it. She is of a school. Congressman Al. 
she is of a school of politicians who think that the best way to handle things are to prevent the public from getting information. And that goes back to Franklin Roosevelt. Didn't want anybody to know that he was in a wheelchair. Uh, that's, that's one way of approaching it. I think the smarter way is to let people know so that they don't feel surprised. Keep this in mind. The public will forgive something if they think that they're not being, they've just discovered it. And what you do by hiding things is that when it comes out, the public says, ah, we just discovered they were hiding it from us. If you come out and you say it in front, they, they may not like it, they may resent it, but they aren't going to feel like they've been uh, they've been lied. Yeah, a counter narrative that and her her staffing is now showing to be I'm, I'm not talking her overall policy staff. I'm talking about her personal staff and people closest to her, um, where there's some decision making that boggles my mind. Um, I've had candidates of all ages, young and old, um, some with health issues, some without. I obviously will not share. But keeping an eye on your candidate and making sure they are prepared, that there's a bottle of water, that they have somebody appropriately next to them, that you, you are keenly aware of how they, how they are at that moment, it is part of that deal. Now, taking that a step further, as far as the walking pneumonia, Jesus Christ. How, if they take it in a, dish, in a different direction entirely, this race is so important, and this woman who is 68 years old is still out there campaigning the way she's campaigning with walking pneumonia. If that were out on the front side of this, she seems like I'm not certain any of us around the table could do. Wait, wait, wait. You're missing the point, though. No, no, it's a trust issue. No, but what I'm saying is the trust issue is also part of their inability to see a narrative in a different direction. What, th- what they're seeing is what Alice's point is, that there is a long history in this country as far as principals hiding what their health issues are. FDR is the least of it. Kennedy was a sickly, sickly man. Addison's disease is not a good thing. And, and there have been other cases and other issues. Heck, what, look, what, I, agree with, I, look, I agree with Congressman Alice's point. One of my favorite movies that I can't believe I'm going to admit this because I want to take hell for it is An American President. And one of the great, great lines out of that movie is the point where the president's talking to his chief of staff and they talk about polling and they say, had there, had there been a CNN during FDR's presidency, this country never elects a president in a wheelchair. I get that. However, there are bigger issues at stake here. Yeah, Go ahead, so, Alan Moore. So there's a history. Presidents have done have have kept things hidden. Press has sometimes been their partner in keeping things hidden. The Clintons have their own unique long history in keeping things secret, not least of all Hillary Clinton herself. Both George Stephanopoulos, now of uh, ABC TV, but long ago a close advisor to the Clintons, and David Gergen, Republican, brought into the White House, uh, to uh, to give some balance and a different point of view to the Clinton White House. Both, they had, they, they had disagreed on most things, but long ago when the whole issue of Whitewater emerged, Stephanopoulos and Gergen were joined at the hip on the advice to 
Hillary Clinton and her husband put the material out there. Don't hide it. The, 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 the history shows that Bill Clinton was like five and that Hillary Clinton said, no way. It's nobody's business. There's nothing there. That's where this started in terms of Hillary Clinton. Then Clinton, there were other, other uh, uh, things that occurred, but following on Whitewater was the, the great grand secret health, uh, health reform task forces, even the identity of the members and all of their meetings were hidden. There's a history here of stonewalling, of, of feeling like, A, there are some things that get to be private, and B, there are things that, that the conser- great conservative conspiracy is going to use against us and twist and turn. It has not worked out for her. We're now seeing all these many years later the legacy of all of that. People don't trust her. They don't think she's forthcoming. And this health narrative came, the, the, the diagnosis Friday came at exactly the wrong time because there's all this conspiracy talk that even the crazy Rudy Giuliani has gotten into who says she's got health issues. She's got health issues. There was no real evidence of that. Here's pneumonia and they hide it. They hide it until she's basically fainting and then they have to acknowledge it. And it feeds the narrative. There's this, this congenital need for so what secrecy. You're saying, this is a self-inflicted wound on Hillary. It is, and, it's, and, it has all first, and it has this long history. If this was the first time, if she was always madam transparent, we always knew what was going on, and then all of a sudden something happened, you could forgive her. You could forgive her a couple times. This goes back to saying no to putting whitewater papers As you out. Can. So 15 years ago, when I got command for the first time, the best piece of advice that I've kind of followed for most of the rest of my life seems to have missed the Clintons, and I don't understand how people who are as politically adept as they are could not know this. And that piece of advice is there are no such things as secrets, just things you don't know yet. Right. All of her wounds, every one of them, you look at the email situation, uh, you look at this. Just about every one of her issues are self-inflicted. Even the deplorable basket comment should have gone a completely different way with that. All that self-inflicted wounds. But, but, but going back to this issue, Congressman Al, she's running for the highest office in the country. She knows, based on polling, that nobody trusts her and yet still manages to keep close ties. Is she just tone deaf? As to the will of the American voter that says, I just don't trust you? I, I, I can't answer that. <clears throat> what I do believe is that she has a, a theory of politics that says that you don't admit to uh, errors because the press will come back and, and beat you up on that. My view, and the one that I used when I was in Congress, was that it's better to level with the press all the time uh, and take a little hit, you know, here and there and what have you, because hopefully you build a trust with the press. So when you come up to the situation and they occur where you have a very unbelievable truth that you need to say, 
you, you, you've got a, a, a fair chance of being heard out. And she doesn't understand and, that. And being believed. And, and, and being believed. Because of your history. I mean, this, this. It, exactly. And she doesn't understand that she's playing right opposite that theory. That theory. This proclivity to privacy is, what le- is, is, is the key ingredient to the private email system. Yes, she wanted convenience, but she wanted to keep her private world private forever. I don't think she was trying to hide her business uh, activities. I, I think they, they made a bad choice, but I think that she wanted to go private because she does has lots of private communications, family communications and so on, and doesn't and didn't want it to, 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 to expose those and thought that this was reasonable. Dan I think that, that this, that, that, that 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 decision was 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 influenced significantly by this long history of trying to keep things private. One one last thought: you can't blame her staff for not telling her. I mean, all the reports about Friday and then Saturday and then Sunday were that she was the one who said, when urged to share, said no. And you want if your staff. You know, there's limits to what you can do. You can't be told no and then just go and ignore that. You just try to nudge. You try to push. You try to encourage. And that's apparently what people were trying to do. your staff learns from you. And going back to my instance, my staff very quickly got to understand that we're not going to hide things because it will come back to bite you. And they functioned, therefore, on that basis, on that policy, which came from me. Uh, that her staff are following the policies that right. come from her. If you had if you'd had a different view, your staff would have had to follow. Exactly. Correct. Dan Lipner. Well, okay, there, so there are a couple of points. One of which is I, I agree absolutely that, and by many years in politics, I've learned that most problems start at the head of the beast. So at a certain point, while there can be hiccups here and there, the tone is the head of the beast. Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama. The issues at a Richard certain Nixon. point. At right. a certain point, what oh, is around talk you? Talk about paranoia. Reflects yeah. you. That said, there is an, a, another interesting debate that Alan kind of touched on, and I do honestly believe this is partially where Hillary comes from, for for her, her own beliefs that that while I think most of us around this table wish politics were just about substance of policy and what actually gets done. However, unfortunately, American politics has, isn't about that now, if it has ever been truly about that. Tangentially, absolutely, but, absolutely, but, but the actual substance of policy is sadly not what most Americans talk about, it's what they feel, what they sense. And I think Hillary Clinton does have a visceral, for somebody who, from how she was raised and how she comes up, she's not Bill Clinton. She's a different person. And she's worked hard and, and, and it, by almost any measure has said that people that have met her, even people who dislike her, think that she is absolutely brilliant and impressive as her, her ability to prepare and know things. And she honestly believes that should be the nature of the discussion. It's not. But I think that's where she comes from, and thinking that her private life shouldn't be at issue is part of where she comes Congressman from. Congressman Anybody who gets in politics, every single one of us who has ever been in politics has been burned by the media. 
or we thought we were. You know, sometimes right. we're wrong. So you have to have a strategy for dealing with the press. And she has come down on the less they know, the less they can hurt me. And that is, I think, absolutely wrong. I, not, not, not morally wrong. I'm talking about it's just it's a bad wrong. strategy. Wrong. Yeah, and, and it's, it's going to cost her. I mean, yes. this, this will cost, cost her, her, her whole career. Costing her for so we, have, so we have two presidents in our not-so-distant history. That would be Bill Clinton and Ronald Reagan. So in spite of whatever policy strengths or weaknesses either have, their politics was based on their personal likability. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. She is not we, that. We, and, we, and that is one of those issues as part of that failing. And, and I've actually started having conversations with people I know of literally asking who is the person next to Hillary Clinton that sells truth to power that will not lose their job when they say, Madam Secretary, you're wrong? And I have yet to hear a clear answer of somebody telling me there is, there is that person who can whisper in her ear or tell her straight out, you are wrong on this point, and this is where According you're going to go. According to several reports, I've gotten home, and does that all the time. She doesn't listen to her, but she's done that before. And the, and, the, and the thing about it is, I mean, I'm not what, sure that she's the one. I mean, she's, well, like she's a, the one. She's more like a daughter. Bill might yeah. be able to do it. Bill, whether he will or not, I have no idea. He hasn't so far. Well, and, look, I, I will tell you right now that the, the reality is, she, she's. I mean, and we'll get into the baskets when we talk about Trump. But the issue is when you are pulling somewhere around. 25 to 30 percent, as far as trustworthiness goes, the last thing you want to do is put out a misleading press statement on the fact that everybody knew you weren't healthy. Just tell them why, and guess what? Well, it wasn't everybody. There was a significant number of her staff that apparently didn't know. But but still, if that is on her. That is a hundred percent on her. So one of the one of the one of the Trump Advocate. one of the Trump supporters right now is saying that that she, she while she might have pneumonia she has it because she's got Parkinson's disease. We've heard Parkinson's. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But all I'm saying is because of this event, because of the way that she handled this, she's not putting that fire out. It's putting gasoline on it. I, I, I agree with you. Said, I mean. They, there are some alt-right wing websites that say that, but because of her stuff, I'm not arguing with you. Pause. I'm not arguing with you. I, I, I am, I'm agreeing with you, and that, that she is not doing anything to help tamp down that narrative by holding on to the strategy. She's I, got I will follow with, with one item, and I will say that not all staffers take my perspective. Obviously, you work at the at at, at the for, for your principal, whoever they they might be. But you also work in the interest of your principal. And Congressman Al, I am quite certain at some point you had a staffer who listened to everything you said and maybe pulled a junior staffer aside and said, by the way, stand next to him and make sure this actually happens. So still looking out for your boss and making sure that while you're following the letter of what they have requested, you're also looking out for where things might go wrong. Well, uh, I am not certain, based on the number of things I have seen, that Hillary has those people around her. Now we're going to we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Trump flubs that have happened in the past week, and there's a litany of those too. 
This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We will be back in two minutes. Stay with us. You know, everybody thinks of Shelley's Backroom as a cigar spot in Washington, D.C. You know what the reality is? It is the cigar spot in D.C. Where else can you grab a great cocktail made by world-renowned bartenders? Or where else are you going to get the finest cigar list of any restaurant in all of Washington, D.C.? And then the great food. You come for the food. It can be the campfire wings. One pound of roasted, not fried, well-seasoned, marinated jumbo chicken wings with choices of Shelly's honey mustard or blue cheese or ranch dressing. These are award-winning wings. That's why you come to Shelly's. It's the whole package. You can drink, you can smoke, have great conversations with your friends, and have a great food menu. Shelly's Back Room. 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. You know what? It is the place to be. Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It's Backroom Politics Live on Blog Talk Radio. Hey, we uh, we got an active crowd back there <laughs> talking, but we'll look we'll at that calm down. They're Donald, our fans. They are our, our fans. fans. They are our fans. Hey, Donald Trump uh, had a couple of flubs. Uh, number one, here's the, uh, well, let's talk about the big one right now in the room. So that's you. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. we're going with slow. We're going with jokes now, really, Congressman. That was a sharp knife. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was a sharp knife. It was a very sharp knife. It was a bowie um, knife. Yeah, it was a bowie knife. Hey, uh, real quickly, Donald Trump and Mike Pence seem to not get their arms around the fact 
that the clan uh, is bad. Huh? That the clan is bad. The clan is bad. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that oh, they are not. Please. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I got, I got two words for you, David Duke. Yeah. How do you not come out and just say that David Duke is atrocious and a racist and a member of the clan? I'm sure he just thought a nephew of his that went to Duke was what was actually the question. Not actually David Duke. How could anyone possibly make that mistake? I know it's a slow news day when Mike Pence is criticized and they keep talking about it on the on the news for not calling David Duke deplorable, not using the word that Hillary Clinton laid out on a platter in a in a in a crazy way offending potentially 20% or more of Americans. Um, and when they, when, when people say, well, don't you think David Duke is deplorable? And Pence has, has said, Donald Trump and I have said, we don't like this guy and we don't want his support, but can't you call him deplorable? And he says, I don't do name calling. And we hear I, I again. And it, why use his name? He like, Come on, there's so many rich items to jump on these guys about. No, 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 I agree with what you're saying. However, Washington, that was the artful political dance he was doing. Trump did a less artful version of that during the primary. Oh, back when we jumped all over Trump for that. Right, but but what, what Pence did... And I again, when we have seen Democrats and Republicans both do the artful dance, and we've also seen, and I'll actually call out Republicans in the affirmative on this, say explicitly, I don't want this person, that is wrong, that's not true. So there is a way of doing this with clarity and not getting pushback. That was not what Pence did. Pence was doing the dance of, by the way, I want some of those racists to vote for us. But I just don't want to quite call him out literally. But, but here's here's my here's my concern with this is and Alan I'll, I'll direct it at you is at a time when Donald Trump is polling less than one percent with African American voters nationwide, and you are trying to do outreach to the black community to try and garner their trust and vote, the one person that goes against the grain of every black voter in this country, David Duke and the racist right wing, you don't come out and absolutely condemn them publicly and say, and then your response is, we don't play in name calling. This coming from the running mate of a guy that's called them names all campaign law. Pence says, I don't do name calling. And he doesn't most of the time. Trump Trump does it all the time. Okay, so he's only half right. No, no, no. I'm just saying, you know, I I, I, I just find it interesting, given the big fumble months ago by Trump on claiming, I don't know who this guy is and so on, which was idiotic and we trashed him for it. And then he, he totally disavowed him later. We're still saying you didn't disavow him strongly enough. You didn't call him the names that we want you to call him. You didn't say he's. You won't say he's deplorable, even though that's the the term that Hillary put out there for everybody. Anyway, I mean, I just a bell, I just a bell, I just a bell, like a kid being forced to apologize. That was what Trump did. There was 
Are we talking about Trump months ago? Are we talking about this week? I mean, I, I think we've beat them up enough for this issue, but if that's the only if that's the only issue that you guys have on Trump, you're in deep trouble if you have to keep re- reviving this one, bringing Wait, it back no, no, no. again and guy, again. This is a guy that is running for president, not running a reality TV show. This is a guy. Wait, wait, What's Alan, Alan. Oh, no, my point is. Point? No, that's, my that's point. not a point. No, 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 no. Hold on. It is my point. My point is that this is a guy that is trying to get the votes to get the highest ranking office in the land. You cannot do that when somebody who is actively, actively against one large segment of the electorate, namely black voters, and not and try and gain their trust when the one guy who's wearing a white cape and pointy hat says, "I'm for Trump." You don't disavow. You don't just disavow. You say, "I am absolutely abhorrently, abhorrently As against Bob this." That I don't want your vote. Right. Those guys have actually said that. No. But they haven't said it. Enough, apparently. They for you guys. You, no, no, but here's Bob the thing. actively says the words, I don't want your votes. There, there's the door. No, no, no I know Trump that. Said I know no that. Such thing. He has. <laughs> he Can you tell he me was that? slow to disavow, but he did disavow. But apparently, you guys think that every week they have to disavow again. When and you're have to pulling, do it if he's my of, candidate and I'm running that campaign, you bet. If I'm trying to go, if I make the absolutely ludicrous effort to go to a black church in Detroit to try and get their their support, you really think he's trying to get black votes when he does that? As we've said before, and I guess I'll have to say it again, he is he knows he's not going to get black votes. Thank you, Alan. He knows <laughs> Thank that. You. That is the that's the point. His whole objective is to try to find a, a way to be more attractive to suburban women, college-educated people who have rejected him, who are turning on him in a huge way, and he's trying to to reach out to blacks. Would he like to have their votes? Of course he would. Hold on, we have a phone call. But what he really wants is the votes of... Please be Donald. Please be Donald. Oh, no, they they, they just hung up. They just hung up. Hey, Donald. Donald. I'm going to hold the premise of your point. Is, is is the issue? Donald Trump. Donald Trump is he, he is he's crazy like a fox. Okay, he he knows it. it he knows it right now. Um, what's today's date? We got we got a phone call. Hold okay. on, Mike. From the nine oh nine area code, you're on the air with backroom politics. Politics. What's your question? Oh, they just dropped. I'll call back in if if you want to ask a question. Break them out, yeah. With 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 one percent of the of the of the probable black electorate uh, saying that they would support Trump, he knows he's not trying to get the black vote. He's not trying. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about that. But wait a minute. But he doesn't doesn't care. But here's my question, though. He should care. Well, should he? He should care because he represents every American when you try. If he is elected, he's got to represent and he is the voice of every American in this country. Justin, I, I don't argue with that. Should, it opens up a whole different, two or three shows for us on Donald Trump. 
But the, the fact of the matter is this is not something, this is not an electorate that he thinks that he can get, and he's going to do what he can to go after the folks that are sitting on the periphery going, yeah, he's not that bad. Maybe I'll go ahead and push the lever. And oh, but the you know what? I, I will tell you right now that, that, that Congressman Al, you, you cannot sit there. This is a segment of the population that Donald Trump has almost tailored his campaign to with fear, with hatred, with Throw in any adjective or verb you want into that mix. Right. This is a man who has tailored his campaign to bring out that secretive white alternate right wing vote to yes. get him into the office. Yes. Bottom line is he has got to either a and you know embrace that side or come out and definitively every week if he has to, because he's got weeks of other times that he has not come out against them and actively come out and say, this is wrong. I do not believe in it. I don't want your vote. I don't want your support. And if I lose because I don't have your vote, then so be it. I will sleep well at night. Is that accurate? Well, you said said a whole bunch of things. (laughs) (laughs) Some of which... Probably were accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, perhaps. Yeah. The thing that, that what he's said originally, and which he is yet to disavow, is something that is for many Americans so utterly repugnant that the fact that we keep pounding him on it is uh, is, is probably we should be criticized for not pounding him harder and more frequently. Right. Uh, and I, I, I agree with, with the Admiral that he is, he is doing what he is doing in, in it that looks like he's trying to get the black vote, but he's, the, the audience for that are a certain class of white people that he is trying to communicate with and probably doing it effectively. All right. We gotta, we're going to try the... The 909 area code, you're on with Backroom Politics. What's your question? Hi, my name is Suzette. I'm calling from Southern California. And, um, hi. I'm, Welcome hi. to Backroom Politics. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, well, I'm an American Hispanic woman, and I'm voting for Trump. And I think mm. I like his approach as far as he denounced David Duke. But, and so I think that was all that needs to be done and because he's supposed to be the president for all Americans, as you were saying earlier. And if he goes any a step further, then basically he is going against what he is selling now at the podium as far as being America's president. And um, so he can't um, go that step further to say, I don't want your vote or your support. Let me ask you this question, caller. Is, is, does it make sense for Donald Trump to seek out black votes, which he, he's going to have to get some semblance of support from non-white voters, i.e. Hispanic black voters? Does it make sense for him to not try and garner some sort of credibility with them by coming out and saying actively and regularly that the alternative right is not part of my voting block. I don't want their votes. No, I don't think that that would actually do him any good because you could almost being a Hispanic myself, 
I can't speak for the blacks, but it to me it would almost appear as though he were being phony because clearly those people do support him. They've been outspoken about it. and um, But that doesn't necessarily mean that he reciprocates that same feeling towards that alt-right side. It just, he's not responsible for who, who supports him. And so as far as the black, the black vote and the Hispanic vote, he's done outreach. Um, he's been pretty successful. The media doesn't actually deliver the truth as far as the amount of blacks that do support him um, but and, and Hispanics. And um, I, I, I know for in here, Southern California, which is surprising, <laughs> um, <laughs> that there are a lot of Hispanics that do support him. And, and I know we're so red, it's not even funny. <laughs> Sick. Wow. Uh, Dave Licker, you got a question for a caller. Yeah, so I, 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 I'm very intrigued by, by your point. So my, my question is, aside from Donald Trump saying he would be supportive, wouldn't and and I I definitely take it to heart what you're suggesting that him disavowing might not be helpful, but but wouldn't you be wouldn't it be more useful if Trump had said instead, you know I, I will make sure that civil rights protections are heavily enforced in my administration. I will ensure that you know small business loans go to communities in need. Anything like that, something that that lends more substance to outreach to diverse communities aside from his uh, what he is doing right now certainly i think a combination of the two would be would be good uh, depending on the demographic area but um as far as the continuing denunciation of the alt-right or people like david duke um i think that that would actually hinder that outreach um, and and the um, promotion of civil rights but doesn't the lack of him saying anything about any of those issues suggest that it's not even in his vocabulary? No, no, I was agreeing with you that that he should um, interject those things into when he speaks to you know to the communities and so forth. Absolutely, he needs to um, press on those issues hard, um, and I think that in itself will demonstrate you know where where he wants to take the country. That it's like, okay, well, I'm America's president. So um, even though I don't support what you guys believe over here on the alt-right, I, you know, I'm still your president and I'm still going to do what's best for America, <laughs> not necessarily a particular group. However, there are some injustices in, for this community, the black community and so forth. So we'll wrong those rights and so we'll work together and try and fix, fix the United States. <laughs> Admiral Ken, you got a question for our caller. I take it that... Trump's initial comments when he announced his bid for the presidency, where he mentioned the fact that Mexico was not sending us their best, that they're sending us criminals and rapists, were not comments that you found insulting. No, I did not, because I had listened to the entire speech, and he had also said in that same sentence that there are some good ones, too. And, but he also stressed that it was illegal and, and not legal immigrants. Okay. Thank you. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, caller, thank you very much for your your comments. Appreciate it. Keep listening. Thank you. 
guy with a hearing aid, could you give me a yeah. synopsis? No, 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 no. We already spent too much time with it. No, 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 no. That was a great, no, no, that was a great call. Thank you for the call. No, no, very much. Thank you very much for your call. Uh, please tell your friends about the show. Um, but I, I reflected on something really interesting here today. Today is the thir- is this the thirteenth of uh, September yeah. that that this shall always go down as the day when Justin went all Rachel Maddow on us. And, what? And, 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 and thought that thinks that, that Donald Trump should take chunks of his voters and disavow them and say, I don't want your votes. Wait, 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 wait. Did you matter just of call me Rachel Maddow? I did, I did. Oh, you, you went all God. Dan Lipner, Rachel Maddow. That's why, that's why I think that's why I think we need to mark it down as a as a as a, as a day. day of, is, is, of, I, of, look, of okay, day. Look, yeah. look, you, you know what? You're basically calling me a rhino. I, I, no, <laughs> no, I'm I, I, I'm you're you're long past that. So rhino so, smaller horn. No, I, it's, it's, just always, it's just always it just always amuses me when people say you know even the Bob Dole quote. You know, Bob, don't say, I don't want your vote. You know what? He did want his vote. He wanted every vote he could get. I mean, politicians want votes. Now, that doesn't mean you don't take positions. You, you, you position yourself in certain ways, either out of principle, out of politics, and so on. But, you know, here, here's, here's, uh, uh, here's these guys that, that, that we that, – that, that there's points of view here on, that, uh, of, of pockets of people who like Donald Trump that – that I don't agree with at all, and most people around here don't. There's people, there's people who support Hillary Clinton that I don't agree with at all. That I don't agree with at all. Right. Um, and and but if I'm Hillary Clinton, and she doesn't agree with them either, frankly, but she's not going to say I don't want your votes because I think your ideas are nuts. Um, and and Trump. It, it, no, no, hold, hold on, let Admiral Ken. I'm just you know I'm just saying that that. Voters, <laughs> voters are voters, you know, and you, it, it's not like you want to say, I embrace you, fine, you can say, you, you, you can be critical, but when, when I'm not going to criticize any politician for saying, I don't want your votes. You can say, I disagree with you as fundamentally as I well, possibly can. Well, but in, in essence, Hillary Clinton did do that. When she talked about the, uh, the, the, the half of the Donald, Donald Trump supporters that were in a basket of deplorables, she pretty much told those people she didn't want their vote. And, and, and so, to, to, uh, and I'm just answering you point to point. She basically, and, and I don't think it was a smart thing for her to do by any stretch of the imagination, she, she, went after the, she went after the voters instead of going after Trump. And I don't think that was a smart thing for her to do. But she, in essence, did that. We, right, but at the same time, she gave Donald Trump a very valid talking point Absolutely. that says, oh, she hates Half of and if you were following my tweets over the weekend, I made the comment, don't play this guy's game. This is not the way to do this. And that was a dumb thing for her to do. So very Was this a Mitt Romney yeah. moment for Hillary Clinton when she made the baskets comment? Well, I, you know, everybody struck back at, at, you know, that it is comment that 47% of the people are, are if you will, this wasn't the phrase, but are, are, are take, takers. And then, you know, it was a reminder of, of Obama, uh, who once uh, in, a, in a fundraiser said that, you know, these, these, uh, McCain supporters right. uh, cling to their Bibles and their guns. Um, it's very, uh, dismissive, uh, patronizing, judgmental, highly risky. It's, it's one thing to say there are, there, there are views out there that I find to be despicable. And I, and I, I hope 
to be able to persuade people who hold those views that they are wrong um, if I'm elected Very president good. because I will be a, the president for all the people. And Alan is announcing now that in 2020, he is running for pre- president. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. I'm going to be supporting Al at that time and trying to follow his lead. Because he knows I can't hear. Do what, <laughs> do what he wants. That way you won't have to take his advice. Yes, right. <laughs> Stand by his side with a bottle of water and a walker. <laughs> He's going to hold your cane. But I, I think, I think, I think though the, the 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 thing that I found striking about the caller, and and again, thank you for the call, and please others, please do call in, um, is the fact that okay, so even with the comments that Trump has made with regard to uh, il, uh, lat, Latinos. Uh, even with the comments that he made after his, uh, his um, I guess, session with the president of Mexico, the speech that he made afterwards, uh, there are still some people um, in, the, in the, the Latino community that still feel that Trump's got a message they want to hear. I don't personally understand that, but I think that the fact of the matter is, you know, Hillary Clinton cannot say things like she did uh, with the, 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 the basket of deplorables, uh, comments aimed at other voters. This is this is not that kind of race, and you know if you look at the I polling, would agree. I would say it is exactly that well, kind of race that has been going on but, since but, April of last but year. The, but the polling suggests right now that they're neck and neck in a lot of places where she should be running away with it and insulting their voters. Should he though? In, in, in Georgia and Arizona are in play, which haven't been in play in decades. Yeah, true, uh, true. Congressman Al, uh, can can Hillary? recover from this, or is this just a, a, a stumble? If, if Trump can recover from everything he's done, <laughs> Hillary <laughs> ought to be able to recover from this. She's entitled to more than a few mulligans. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what is interesting is that, 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 that she makes this comment, and then she has a health episode. So Donald Trump has to decide which one of those do I want to talk about? Do I want to talk about just one? Do I want to talk about them both? I was more intrigued on this whole message discipline issue with the fact that he stuck with attacking her on the basket of deplorables. All he said about her health was, I hope she gets better. I yeah. hope she gets better. Which I surprised her. That is it. And I'm That's intrigued with that. Kellyanne Conway, I am so certain, is behind that. Well, I think. <laughs> well, okay, but here's, but, but here's what's nagging in my mind on that one. Because he's not been telling, he's talked about her lack of stamina, right? And that she didn't look presidential. It's other people, including some of the surrogates like Giuliani, have talked about her health. Why is he not talking about her health? It's out there. It's floating around, but it's it's so undisciplined. Here's my thought on this matter. He's got some health stuff that he doesn't want us to know about. I I and and I'm just intrigued. And all I want to do is point out. A week ago, I said we need to get all the health information out there on both of these guys. Let's get some panels of doctors to look at it. I was ridiculed by one of us at the time. And today in the Washington Post and today in the New York Times, the lead editorial in both places was echoing me from a week ago. We need more health information on both of these 
people. We got a 68-year-old and a 70-year-old. Health questions come up with, with, with aging people. Let's, let's demand more information. With, with all due respect, Al, I love you. I love playing golf with you. But it's the same. He's going after the same audience that he's going after when he makes these faux comments about seeking the black vote. Yeah. He's basically trying to seem more appealing to the white suburban moms yep. who think the guy's a butthead. And they're gonna, he's going to do what he can to basically be as gentle as he possibly can with this to make sure that he's getting them to stop. Well, you know, he promised he's not so bad. He, you know, he called her. He said that she didn't have any stamina to, to do the job. Well, you know what? He could have gone after on the health thing, but he didn't. He laid low on it. That's why he's doing it. Right. And so this from the political, we'll see. From the political we'll communication see. standpoint, this is the most disciplined yeah. Donald Trump has ever been. And I mean ever from his public persona. What? He managed to do here, and this is why I'm fairly certain it's Kellyanne Conway that threw herself in front of him, knocked his phone out of his hands, insisting he did not tweet on the topic because a male bully that most people have described him as, that even his supporters might describe him as, speaking on a 68-year-old woman's health issue, there is no way that would be received well, and it would turn the story from her health issue to him being inconsiderate and not understanding. By shutting up, you now have credible people speaking on this. I happen to disagree with them, but nonetheless, they are credible people speaking on this. And on top of that, instead of going down that road, he found his most palatable of the borders, the other half that Hillary was not demeaning, and brought them up on stage and said, are you suggesting I am deplorable and unredeemable? He found those people. This is unheard of and unseen in Trump world. I don't think it will last, but that's exactly what happened there. I I think you may be right, but it remains to be seen he has never shown that kind of discipline. Interesting point. With such a massive, huge target. Inter- interesting point. Well, with that being said, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we still got to come up with a spending bill solution here in Washington. We're going to talk about can it even be done? Who's going to lose? Who's going to win? Who could be the big winners in this deal? This is Backroom Politics Live from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. You know, Shelley's Backroom has been hosting Backroom Politics for seven years. Seven years. It's still unbelievable we've been doing it that long. But make no mistake about it, Shelley's Backroom is one of a kind in Washington, D.C. Shelley's is a comfortable retreat for cigar aficionados and those who simply want to unwind. The casual but elegant space features soft lighting, cozy couches, and overstuffed chairs. Shelly's Backroom is a cigar-friendly establishment, but the -the state-of-the-art air purification system keeps the atmosphere comfortable for smokers and non-smokers alike. Sit back and enjoy yourself while chatting with friends or watching one of the eight high-definition TVs, or come by any Tuesday, enjoy your favorite cigar or one of the signature cocktails, and watch how Backroom Politics is made. Convenient to public transportation and the sites of the nation's capital, 
Shelly's is easily dividable to accommodate intimate gatherings or large-scale special events. Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street, in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. As Bob says, it's the place to be. Yeah, we're back here live at Shelly's Back Room, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. This is the best political talk show you've never heard of. It is Backroom Politics live on Blog Talk Radio. Uh, again, if you want to join the conversation, you can dial in 657-383-0419. Once again, that number is 657-383-0419. Hey, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about some congressional business that's floating around Washington, D.C., and that is the spending deal. They're now debating and trying to get together a omnibus spending bill that will get us through anywhere from the next four weeks till the next three months. They're still trying to get a deal together that could work for everybody, keep government open, and not look like a political hand grenade. Alan Moore, what's the latest? We, we, we've been hearing a lot of different ideas that have been floating around as far as what the omnibus bill is going to look like. Uh, there's some hurdles that they've got across right now. What are the big hurdles facing this? So, so there's the question of timing, and now it looks like they're sort of focusing on a December 9th date. So remember, funding runs out for most of government on September 30th. They have to do something in order to pay people to, to have the doors open uh, on October 1st. So the idea would be to... There, there were suggestions, kick it into next year, just go for a, a very short time so that forces them to come right back after the election. December 9 would give them a month after the election, um, and it would give them two months and, and a week, if you will, after uh, the, the fiscal year ends. I think that date is probably not a bad date. It, 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 it brings them back, then they probably have a week to delay to the middle of December and then still be gone by Christmas and not have to come back um, uh, and, and have this facing them. Um, but that, that remains to be seen. Now, even to get to, to December 9th, though, they have to agree on the same language. And, and one of the hang-up issues uh, has been this whole question of Zika virus, Zika funding. We've talked about it at length, and I've condemned everybody across the board, Republicans and Democrats alike, um, for uh, trying to load some things onto the Zika. And, uh, uh, and meanwhile, people are catching uh, uh, this, this disease, uh, particularly in Puerto Rico and, and Florida, and, and that's just uh, uh, unforgivable in, in my judgment. Um, but but the, the, there, there were a couple of issues in the Zika bill, one that we've talked about before, is a, if you will, a Planned Parenthood issue. Planned Parenthood, by the way, is not mentioned in this bill. What the way the way the the way the bill works is it would it would take a particular uh, health uh, enterprise in Puerto Rico and say that enterprise can't get any of the money. 
Well, what's that all about? Well, that enterprise is a partner of Planned Parenthood. It's named Planned Parenthood. It's a partner of Planned Parenthood. Um, and and they're, they're one of the inter- entities that serve um, women in Puerto, in, uh, in, in Puerto Rico, which is, uh, uh, which is the, the main problem area at the moment for Zika in the U.S. So somehow they have to sort out the question of getting around this line in the sand um, relating to Planned Parenthood, but not naming Planned Parenthood, my guess is. And Al was suggesting this last week that, that, that probably you're going to have to let those facilities continue to operate. They play an important role in, in Puerto Rico. Now, whether they extract a pound of flesh in some other way remains to be seen. Um, and, and there are other issues every time there's a, a continuation of the spending bill, but I'm guessing they will mostly punt those down the road. It's not that long a period of time. It just allows government to continue doing what it's doing. Congressman Al, right now, the, the, the person who could come out to be the big winner in all this, if he can get it done, seems to be Paul Ryan. But climbing that mountain is a difficult task for the speaker. Does Paul Ryan have the political credibility within his own party to strike a deal similar to the work that he did with the Gang of Eight in the last budget deals? Well, I've never understood what goes on in Paul Ryan's party. They have dumped one very good speaker and uh, I think they're perfectly capable of uh, trying to mess with this one, who also I think is a good speaker. Uh, The fact is, he has to come up with something, because the Republicans cannot, excuse me, in my judgment, go into this election having done nothing. I mean, they're the do-nothing Congress already, and if they can't solve this one, they've got a real problem, and they might just have to give up uh, on on, on the, the, the Planned Parenthood thing in order to get it through. I think that would be an act of courage <clears throat> because uh, that will, you know, the, the, the Republican Party hard noses will go after the speaker to the tuning. Alan Moore. I just wanted to make a comment about Al. He, he had talked before about how we're sort of members of this well-educated elite, if you will. We're a little freaky about about it, but but I just wanted to point out that Al may be part of the well-educated elite, but he's not well-educated enough or elite enough to understand the Republican Party. <laughs> and proud of it. There you go. There you go. Very, very very prolific statement, Congressman Al. Dan Lipner, the, the, the question now goes is, can the people that we saw kind of stand out in the Democratic Party, namely Patty Murray from Washington State as part of the Gang of Eight, can she work with the Republicans in her own chamber and come up with a deal that everybody can at least hold their nose and swallow? I mean, I want to say yes, and while I am not terribly familiar with Patty Murray and 
if it can be done, and she can do it. No, no, and, but I, I actually take her at her word when she said she's been willing to deal, but looking for a partner to deal with has been challenging, to say the least. So, I mean, what Congressman Al said is correct. The same thing that uh, did in Boehner um, for, and it's not a majority of the Republican caucus, it's a surprisingly loud plurality of the Republican House caucus with a few supporters in the Senate that insists on forcing what I'm comfortable saying as a Democrat is a crazy agenda. You have people in the House that are that consider it more important to impeach the IRS commissioner than to work on Zika funding. And this is a, a challenging issue. As Admiral Ken, is, is it is it to the Bennett? I mean, which is the bigger hand grenade to hold right now? Is it the Planned Parenthood or the possible closing of government? Which one do you let go? I, I, I've not been a big fan of the whole uh, shut down government tactic. I think that there's more harm done there than good. You're already looking at a Congress uh, that's got extremely low approval ratings. And I think that, you know, when, when I think about the, uh, the possible spread of Zika and how this funding could could exacerbate uh, an already bad situation. I think you know a lot of these guys need to look at that, that whole country first mindset. Um, you know, you know, you know. It, I'm a rhino. I'll admit it. I, I don't care. I mean, you know, the, the, this the, this loud plurality that, that Dan spoke of, I think, has been losing ground consistently over the last 20 years or so. And I think in 20 years we'll look in 20 more years we'll look back on this and we'll go, really? That was the fight. And I think that shutting down the government's a really bad thing to do. We've already seen it at least three times in the last in the last five years. It's bad, dumb. Alan Moore, we want to shut down. I mean, I I, I think that that the but are the hard nosed are the hard nosed Republicans that are pushing this Planned Parenthood who are steadfast in this? No, no, they're willing to take that. Risk. Well, so so if we, it may be that Paul Ryan has to go and and get a majority. With uh, a minority of his own party, it's not something they like to do. They've done it on occasion. Um, there, there, are, there are plenty of Republicans, though, um, even the, the 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 hard right uh, folks who don't like the idea of closing down the government because they have realized in the past that it did more harm politically to them than, than than good. So there's there's very few who would like to shut down. There's some. Who would, or some who think, if you don't, you can't then get what you most care about. I mean, the Ted Cruz's of the world in the t- in times past, we we haven't seen heard, heard a lot of him lately, which is not any great loss. But 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 uh, you know, there, there are some people out there who would say, if 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 you're not willing to go all the way, then you're not willing to go any other way, and you're not going to get anything done. I'm not of that school. Um, I, the, the 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 Ryan problem is it, it, the the problem that's created when you've got a strain of folks in your party that are willing to consider shutting it down is you lose time you lose credibility it pushes you to these artificial endpoints and everything else gets nudged aside and the, what 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 those of us around this table think of as more important public business gets pushed aside and that the, that the country loses for it. But that's the environment that, that we're now in. I don't think we'll be shutting down. 
if we lose a day or something in a kind of a game of chicken, that doesn't count. It's, it's, you have to shut down for a little longer period. And we've, we've, we've actually haven't done it multiple times in recent years. We did it once in a big way and then once in a small way. Um, and, and, and in, in, in both cases, it, it was damaging to, uh, to the Republicans. Uh, Congressman Al, it, it seems, though, that the Republicans have short-term memory as to the ripple effect that it had the last time we went through this evolution. Is there any sense that they might have learned their lesson from the last backlash of government shutdown? I, I, I think there is a segment of the Republicans, particularly in the House, that are uneducable. Uh, that, that No, they haven't learned anything. And I think they'd be happy to shut the government down or do anything as long as they don't give up Planned Parenthood. And I think that, that the public, if, if this Congress cannot do something about the Zika problem, then I think the do-nothing label sticks and they can they can start hurting some of their down 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 ballot down ballot members. Wow, interesting, Admiral Ken. Again, I I think that one I I disagree that they're not they're not capable of evolving or being educated. I think much like you know Congressman Al when he was in Congress, he they they think that they're they're representing their constituency. Uh, that said, you know this this is a this is a major health crisis. And if we can't count on a government to do something um, actionable that makes sense in the, the, the given period of time, I think that it would bring more harm to the party than it will bring good. I'm wondering if, if Congress at some point, would it be a Democrat? I'm not sure. Somebody should bring up one of those poor babies with the tiny heads and what have you and say, are you willing in order to save the unborn, are you willing to make these and, four and the second, and the, second you do, and the second you do that, Congressman now there will be people lined up saying that you used a poor baby suffering from a virus as a prop. And I would be the first to the no, 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 as a yeah. parent. As a parent, I would, I would, that would not fly well. Let's not move on from the subject. Yeah, this is a creepy subject. I'm running away from this because well, part of I'm not the, running away from it. Good God, I've been talking about Zika. I know you have every week, and, every week, and, and the country right. knows what the risks are. That's why it is so amazing. The thought that we would use a baby as a prop, I don't think that's worthy of no, but, 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 but this but this is but, but this oh, is exactly what it is. But, but this is the this is the problem of, of the fact. These children have been born with microencephalies with the, the and they have not aged, but one thing they have not done is been born here. And Americans not to our credit, having that for if it ain't here, ain't, it ain't our problem. So while it's talked about, while Zika is in, in Puerto Rico, most Americans have trouble identifying Puerto Rico as part of the United States. It's also States. in Florida. We know here. The child has not been born there, yet but with let me, the disease let me, let me go one in step this front. country. Let, let me go one step once, further. Once that happens, 
that will change and will land with a boom. Let me go one step further. No, no, but let me let me go one step further. That's so disgusting. No, 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 but 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 Alan, I I think the point that you're trying to make is, and I and I don't necessarily disagree or agree with him that, that this is a, that this is a muddy water to me, but the, the the problem is is that for a country that knows that this is a health crisis, for a state like Florida that knows this is a health crisis, it continues to fall on deaf ears. It's not deaf ears. These guys are all wrestling with this. It's an embarrassment to them. They're trying to figure out how this works, one. Two, remember, there, there's no guarantee that we're not going to have babies born with microencephaly from Zika. No matter what we do, we don't have the power to stop it, to cure it. What we do do, and we've, we've thrown hundreds of millions of dollars into it, but we borrowed from Ebola money. We borrowed from this pot. We borrowed from that pot. We haven't been able to put together the concentrated, uh, organized strategy, which we desperately need and which has been laid out. So we're losing ground. We're, they're going to be babies. That is guaranteed because you can't stop it. But what we, what we need to do is get on with it because every week or month that goes by, there will be certain numbers of people who are infected, on. and that is inexcusable. Hold on, Alan. I, I wholeheartedly, and it's no, well known. I wholeheartedly that this is an absolute idiotic issue that we have to be fighting in Congress. This is a no-brainer. This is very easy to deal with. You put money to it, you stop the public health crisis, and you eliminate it from being a problem. However, when you see people on my party side that are fighting it because of some, some small amount of money might go to Planned Parenthood or a subsidiary or an affiliate of Planned Parenthood, that is where the idiocy, that is where the deaf ears fall, and that is the biggest problem. Well, and I've condemned both parties. I agree. I I've agree condemned both parties. They, they're, they're both playing this game. Yes, the Republicans started it, and then the Democrats decided instead of getting this billion, 1.1 or $1.2 billion that's waiting for us. We're going to fight over this little piece. This too. little piece of it. So, which a majority of it is going to go to the CDC, the I mean, NIH. Damn them all. I, I completely agree. But with that, it's now time for my favorite part of the show. Tell me a story where we talk about all news, innuendo, rumor, and gossip in and around the Beltway. Dan Lettner, tell me a story. I'm just going with a simple one that I have to actually say that Admiral Ken, I owe you an apology. I apparently was wrong on something. What? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Stop the presses. What? <laughs> that, and I'm happy I am, I apparently am mistaken. Colin Kaepernick has not just survived the sitting down for the national anthem. It has grown and drawn attention, but more importantly, attention in a thoughtful way for the most part. So kudos to both him and what he has done, while I might not have done it myself or agreed with his style of protest, the fact that he has actually brought attention and done it successfully and gained followers and had the NFL, hardly a progressive institution by any stretch of the imagination, actually pay attention and the commissioner of the NFL saying 
the players have the ability to speak on these issues and, and doing that well. So wait, uh, wait a minute. Okay. Wait, a, wait for it. was wrong. Oh, my God. Breaking news on backroom politics. What has he been right? Many times. He's like, Congressman Al, tell me a story. Nancy Pelosi has said a few things lately, none of which inflamed anything. This I find very encouraging. And, uh, and I, are you, you going to start liking her? No. No. <laughs> no. You go too far. I, 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 I push the Amir Pelosi. The rest of us will welcome you on the show, though. She has been restrained, and that's good. That's good. Admiral Ken, tell me a story. Last Friday, I had the pleasure of attending the retirement ceremony of one of my uh, my colleague flags, uh, Eric Young. Uh, finished up 32 years of illustrious service to his country. In a uh, retirement ceremony that was... Uh, as entertaining as it was tear-filled, uh, you know, I, you know, fiance uh, Eileen and I got to watch it, he and his family celebrate his career. Uh, Eric's son works for the mayor of San Diego, uh, and uh, during the, uh, the the ceremony, Eric uh, Eric told the story. So this is a second-hand kind of deal. But he asked his son, uh, "So you 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 grew up in my house, and uh, you work for the, the the mayor of San Diego? I just have to ask." Are you a Republican or are you a Democrat? And his son thoughtfully said, it's situational. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Alan Moore, tell me a story. So I was prepared today to to criticize uh, Donald Trump for uh, cozying up to Vladimir Putin, which I think has been a bad idea. And I was going to use some examples because he says, well, I don't agree with their system, but he's a good leader for what they have. And I was inclined to say that would be like saying I didn't agree with uh, the way he ran Germany, but Adolf Hitler was a tough guy, a strong guy. <laughs> I'm not saying that, and I want to tell you why. And I, it's going to require you, know, you just said it's, it's no, no, no. I did that. That's what I had thought about saying. Okay. And I, yes, I did say it, but I thought I'd just own up to it. Okay. But um, much as I dislike name dropping, <laughs> I had an. I was at a dinner last night that was so cool that I have to mention it. It was up in New York City um, in a very fancy house, and the guest of honor was Henry Kissinger. Ah. And there was a wonderful interaction with Henry Kissinger, and the subject of of Putin came up. um, And he said, you know, I have a little different view of some of our media uh, about Putin. He knows uh, Putin uh, personally and has for a long time. It's not like he's a big fan. He said, the problem is that we in America tend to exaggerate. If you want to understand Putin, the books that you need to think about in understanding him are Dostoevsky, not Mein Kampf. It's a different guy, a different place. Russia covers 11 time zones. It's complicated. It's historical. It's cultural. So it's not that he's some fabulous guy who's running a great country with uh, with uh, economic trans- economic transparency and, and fairness yeah. and civil rights. But it's it's uh, situational. 
Right. And and one needs to uh, yeah, to 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 be careful how you judge uh, right. uh, uh, how you judge him before you completely 100% condemn him. Fair enough. Uh, so my story this week: the Democrats today have approached uh, the Attorney General Loretta Lynch here in Washington to open an investigation on the Trump Foundation's money donation to Florida Attorney General Pam Bondi, a Republican and a staunch advocate and surrogate for Donald Trump. Now, the question question is, will this fly? here's, Here's the trick with Loretta Lynch. If you open up an investigation on Donald Trump and the Trump Foundation and the money it's given to Pam Bondi's campaign for Florida Attorney General. Okay, okay. Be clear. Hold that that thought, Counselor. That means that there is going to be insurmountable pressure for the Attorney General of the United States to open one equally questionable investigation on the Clinton Foundation and their donations. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I am hearing it. Democrats are not happy about that. There are a couple of Democrats that are going, don't poke this sleeping bear for God's sakes. Politically, yes, but you're still comparing apples. We deal in politics. You want to deal with law, go read a law book. This is politics. (laughs) They are upset by this, and they should be. Don't poke the sleeping bear. The IRS already tossed that one and fined the foundation. He reimbursed the foundation the scandal. The question is whether he bought Bondi, not the foundation, but whether he did. Right. Well, considering the fact he hasn't made any donations to his uh, foundation since 2008, I think that should and, be really And on top of the fact that he's too busy making money from his own campaign when he raised his rent in Trump Plaza from 4700 to 165000 But that's neither here nor there. Anyway, that being said, <laughs> don't pull Rachel Maddow. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. <laughs> he raised more jewelry than Rachel Maddow. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm going, right now, for those of you out in Radio Land, I'm giving them both a gesture right now that would be inappropriate and censored on most network television. Birds don't fly here. (laughs) On that simple note, Counselor, on behalf of Dan Littner, Congressman Al Swift, Admiral Ken Carradine, and Undersecretary Alan Moore, I am your host and moderator, Justin Russell. We will be back next Tuesday for the best political talk show you've never heard of, Backroom Politics Live on Blog Talk Radio from Shelley's Backroom, 1331 F Street in the heart of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Admiral Ken. It's a place to be. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can follow us on our website, <laughs> www.backroompolitics.org. Follow us on Twitter, at Backroom Politics. And you can find our continuing contributions on our partner, Sidewire, at Sidewire.com. Have a great week, America. See you next Tuesday. I am great. This is Backroom Politics.